If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I am Jacob Brown, joined here with Mark Papaleo and Jacob Kelly. We are here after Black Monday in the NFL where everyone got fired. I was a little nervous uh, after Black Monday, after everyone knows I'm a Giants fan, after they didn't fire Joe Judge, they ended up actually firing him at the end of the day. So that made my week uh, because if they didn't do that, it would have made absolutely zero sense. But we'll get into that in a second. You guys fired your head coach, the Miami Dolphins fired. Brian Flores, which is on last week's show, that's something you both did not want to see, although there's still mixed reactions. Even though it's not what you guys wanted to see, from what I'm getting, it's also not the end of the world. It's not like, oh, my God, Brian Flores was fired. Everything that we had going for us is gone. It's kind of like, well, we wanted flow, but now that some of these reports are coming out that, A, he didn't want Tua, which is, I mean, you guys probably don't want Tua either, but, B, he didn't treat his players that well, and so that might that that hurt him obviously with the Dolphins' job, and it's going to hurt him in future negotiations for other teams, uh, and, and also his ability to not put out an effective offense. Uh, those things led to his firing. But other than Joe Judge and Brian Flores, the Chicago Bears fired their head coach and GM. The Minnesota Vikings fired their head coach and GM. Dolphins head coach, Broncos head coach, Jags head coach, Raiders and the Texans as well. So a lot of people are firing people. And of course, Dave Gettleman retired as well for the Giants. He wasn't fired, of course. They had to give him a ceremonious uh, retirement instead of just saying, oh no, he sucked and was a terrible GM for five years. We're just going to give him a graceful retirement and everything like that. So out of all the head coaching firings, what was the most surprising one to you guys? I mean, I, I don't think you can say anything except for Brian Flores being fired. I remember watching the NFL Sunday pregame show on Fox and Jay Glazer was going over uh, who's probably going to be fired, who's 50-50, and who's probably not. And top of the probably not list was Brian Flores. And I was like, this is just disrespectful to even have him on this list. There's no chance he deserves to be fired, no chance he will be fired. And then just fast forward 24 hours later, I wake up in the morning and I just get with some heartbreaking news. We let go of a guy that has absolutely turned around the franchise yeah, we didn't make a single playoff appearance. However, the Dolphins been a laughing stock my entire life. And this guy actually made the Dolphins viable and something that the national media actually wanted to talk about for an extended period of time. And to let him go just, you know, because maybe he has some communication issues or maybe he has some issues with Tua is absolutely laughable. He is the reason we were even in the success uh, last season. He's the reason we turned the, the season around this year. So it's absolute disgrace that we let him go. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Brian Flores brought us our first back-to-back winning season since 2002, 2003. Um, me and you, that's our whole lives, you know. So when I'm 24 years old, I've seen two playoff games total, and they got blown out in both of them. Brian Flores brought the Dolphins back to national attention a little bit when, you know, you're, you're drafting a quarterback like Tua, and you have all these stars that are making plays, Jalen Waddell uh, on, on the defense. You got Xavier Howard, the best, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And, you know, it was led, led by Brian Flores, who was a, you know, hard-nosed guy. He was very much Belichickian. That's been the downfall of a lot of Belichick disciples, though. They've been too Belichickian. They're too aggressive. They, they're too stubborn. Ahem, Joe Judge. Might, yeah. <laughs> very much Joe so. Judge. Yeah. So, you know about that. I mean, yeah, we had two great back, I mean, not two great seasons, but in three years he, with Brian Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa, he, we had two winning seasons in three years with those two guys, at quarterback. And if you had told me that, you know, three years ago, I've been like, that's pretty, we must've made the playoffs, right? <laughs> not the case because, you know, you start one and seven and it's an issue. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really upset about it. When I woke up on Monday morning, it was the first thing I woke up to. Uh, put my Dolphins hat on, went to work. And around that 7.30, 8 o'clock, a guy comes in, all tatted up, big dude, 
he tells me he is an agent for a player in the Dolphins locker room. Not going to name the guy, obviously, but he told me that the main reason they fired Brian Flores was that he did not like Tua Tagovailoa. He did not want him to be the quarterback of his of this franchise. Which, telling by the Dolph- like the Dolphins doing that, that's pretty like ridiculous. Like, you're you're telling me you'd rather have a quarterback that's nice, uh, a coach that's nice to his quarterback and likes him and wants to give him all the chances in the world rather than putting a quarterback now to win football games. You'd rather have him baby Tua for another three years than go win now when you chance get you a quarterback get you a chance to win a Super Bowl. I mean, doesn't make any sense to me. It really showed. Stephen Ross doesn't really care about winning Super Bowls to me. Um, yeah, I was kind of just shocked and really blindsided by it. I mean, I don't even know if it's Stephen Ross not going for Super Bowls. I think it's more so he's got somebody in his ear that's telling him Tua is the guy, and that's probably Chris Greer, and this guy still has a job. Meanwhile, he's the one that's behind some of these, let's just say it, ineffective draft choices. He's kind of 50-50 um, whether he banks on those draft choices or not. And this is the guy that I get. I mean, who else would it be in the building that's sticking up or two? If it's not the head coach, it's probably the general manager that drafted him, that drafted him as high as he did. And that's probably what it is. And if it really is that he's listening to Chris Greer, that's a problem in of itself because the, the bare bones point of this roster as to why it wasn't succeeding is because of the structure of the roster itself and because he didn't pick the correct quarterback or bring the correct quarterback in. That's just an outsider view looking in. But to me, it looks like Stephen Ross is listening to his GM. Yeah, I mean, really, they went out and drafted this kid, but it was really public that Brian Flores loved Justin Herbert. And it's really public that Brian Flores wants Deshaun Watson to be his quarterback now after have drafting, drafting to it. So it's Chris Greer trying to save his job. It's trying to get the monkey off his back. It's just like, oh, if this kid even shows a little slight glimmer of what he can be or I think he can be, I'll have my job for as long as, you know, as possible. But this guy's been there since the 2000s, since the early 2000s. He's yep. been in the Miami Dolphins organization. And if that doesn't show you what, you know, what the problem is, then I don't know what does. That's the thing. It's like, what, what else is the problem? Yeah, and, and, and Brian Flores erased a lot of those problems. He brought some stability. You know, we were going from Adam Gase, which is – you know, the literal opposite of what you should be as a head coach. He's a, he was a perennial liar. He always was lying about who's making the play calls. He, he did that even with the Jets. He was like, oh, I'm not making the play calls. Yes, you are. He was lying. He was had Bum. so many issues within the Dolphins organization and the Jets organization. Ryan Flores takes over a roster that has a lot of terrible contracts in it and understands that, hey, that first year is going to be difficult. We traded away some pieces. We were playing some practice squad players that, I mean, I've already forgotten their names. They're probably not even in the NFL anymore. And we went out, of course, we started the, the year 0-7, 0-8. However, we put together a very respectable run, pretty much eliminated the Patriots from contention, getting them that second seed, making them play on the first week of of, uh, of, of the playoffs. And, you know, if, if nothing else, Brian Flores got some nice stakes from Kansas City, from Andy Reid, because, you know, the Dolphins organization clearly hasn't hasn't treated him well for the, for, for the really great things he's done for the team. If you just listen to him, we'd be in such a better situation. If you had gotten out and, dr- and drafted Justin Herbert, he's already taken care of the defensive side of things. If you go out and get Justin Herbert, you know, he hasn't done the greatest job at hiring offensive coordinators and coordinators on that side of the ball, which, yeah, I get that's definitely a, a weak point of his so far. However, if you drafted the right quarterback, you'd be in a much better situation. And now if we had moved off of Tua, again, we'd be in a much better situation. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers are all likely to be out there available for trade in this offseason. And if you move on for any of those three guys and you keep the defensive pieces, like you resign Manuel Agba, you uh, resign Nick Needham, resign a few pieces on that side of the ball, you can put together most certainly a playoff contending roster. And if things go, things go right, you put together a Super Bowl roster. But, you know, the, the what ifs are all, are all meaningless at this point because Stephen Ross, you know, he is very impatient. He doesn't do a good job usually of hiring coaches because his last four or five coaching hires have all lasted only three years. You look back to you look back um, with Adam Gase, look back to Philbin, uh, you look back to I mean I, f- I forget who even was before Philbin. Philbin. Yeah, those those were all terrible hires, and they all were given three years. Now he finally got it right. He finally got the guy in there. We have back to back winning season, nineteen wins in in two seasons, just missing the playoffs in both years. 
and we've built a culture. We've, we've built a pretty good roster, you know, good enough to just barely miss the playoffs. And again, he's abandoning ship this time. Definitely, definitely unjustified, you know, listening to Greer, making that decision. Oh, do I go with Flores? Do I go with Greer? Greer shown you he's made plenty of mistakes. I mean, we were talking before the show started, the, the draft he had two years ago where he takes Tua, Austin Jackson, Noah Igbenogany, where if you just draft better there, you could have had Herbert, you could have had Justin Jefferson, you could have Jonathan Taylor. There's a multitude of players that would have been so much better. You could have had Trayvon Diggs. There's a multitude of players that were out there that were so much better off. And then, you know, he rectified himself a little bit this last offseason by, you know, going out and drafting Javon Holland, uh, Jalen Phillips, and uh, Javon, uh, Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddle, Javon Holland. He rectified himself this year. However, he has a 50-50 track record, whereas Flores has done nothing but improve the team. And something that I really look to see in a head coach is how do you, how does the locker room feel about you? And I have a hard time believing that just any old coach could muster his team from a one and seven start, bringing them back into the seven seed on the precipice of the playoffs. Yeah, we didn't make it, but we were in such a low point in the season and he grabbed the team and lifted us, lifted us up, to be fair, against not the best competition in the world. However, winning seven games in a row is impressive regardless. And we did that, put ourselves in the seventh seed. And then, of course, you know, we were knocked out. But then again, when we knew the season was actually over, he managed to turn the team around and fight that last game of the season. I was there. I was there for the Patriots game. And I expect I was kind of emotional expecting to be to his last game. I never in a million years would have thought it would have been Flores' last game. And just seeing how the players responded to each other when uh, when um, Zavian Howard had the pick six, man, there was more players on the field celebrating with Zavian Howard than there was still standing on the sidelines. That shows a camaraderie. That shows that they actually care and were happy for each other. And one of those players was Tua. If if the situation's so bad, if Tua is being disrespected, this and whatnot, Tua would be probably be on the bench looking like uh, Jacoby Brissett has looked most this year as he's pouting over on the bench. But no, he was right on the field with his teammates. He was having a good time. And ultimately, we won the game. And, and we won the game with a subpar effort by Tua, only having barely over 100 yards passing. So it was just the, it was just a beautiful picture of what Flores has done. Not the best talent, not the best on the offensive side of things. However, you get the troops together, the defense plays well, and we win games. And we did that consistently over Brian Flores' tenure. So it's a really shame that the team has shafted him like this and and let him go so early on in his career. I mean, devil devil's advocate here. Listen, I know Her- Herbert is light years better than Tua. I'm not making that argument, but at the same time, you could say Justin Herbert, as talented as he was, he was on a better roster than the Dolphins have, and they didn't make the playoffs either. So the, this argument that everyone's making that if you had drafted Herbert, you would have been in the playoffs. Blah blah blah. Sure, that could have and most likely would have been true. But Herbert hasn't made the playoffs either. That's 100% correct. However, I mean, yeah. look at that chart. Yeah, let, let, uh, let Mark jump in here. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. We've won 19 games in two years with no offense. With no offense. With one of the worst statistically offenses in, in, two, in the past three years. We've, in those two years, we won 19 games after we drafted Tua. 19, and, this, and the questions are, like, if we had Herbert, are we in the playoffs? Um, yeah, we are, because that our defenses have been stellar those two years, and our defenses, our defensive coaches have been way better than what, you know, the, the Chargers have, and they hired a defensive head coach just like we did, and that guy takes, he, he's taking big sh- risks on fourth down going for it. Hell yeah, if I had Justin Herbert, we'd do that too, and we would smoke teams, because, we're, you know, we're watching two of Two and Ryan Fitzpatrick these past two years and win 19 games. It's not even close. I mean, it just pisses me off. It's just ridiculous. It really is. I mean, how do you win 19 games based on your defense and then you fire the guy that is the reason? You know, I don't think any other coaches win 19 games with that roster. Yeah, okay. no, it's it, it would be hard-pressed to try and find someone like that. But, you know, as far as the other head coaching positions go – uh, some other ones that I mean, listen, it didn't shock me because we all kind of saw it coming. But Matt Nagy got a really bad rap in Chicago. He came in as an offensive coach, and who did they give him? They gave him Mitch Trubisky for most of it. Then they give him Andy Dalton to play with, and then they give him Justin Fields. Then Fields get injured. Fields wasn't ready in the first place. So this offensive guru, Matt Garrett, excuse me, Matt Nagy, that they brought in for that, they never gave him the quarterback. So I feel like Matt Nagy, out of all these coaches. If you put him somewhere with a quarterback, 
he might actually have some good luck somewhere else. I I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Okay, yeah. all right. Me too. Me my too. friend, my, one of my uh, one of my best friends, he's a Bears fan, and he, I mean, he watches them every single week. And I don't watch much Bear games, but just going based on what he says, I mean, you see similar thing. You see very com- similar things with Matt Nagy that we saw with Adam Gase. Another situation where Matt La- Matt Nagy has lied multiple times about who's mm. calling the plays. Uh, he's an offensive coach. He he obviously Mitch Trubisky wasn't the guy he had in Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. However, the offense has been absolutely terrible. And when Vic Fangio left, he also could never figure out the defense again afterwards. You're paying yeah. Bill Mac all this money for and now Vic Fangio's fired yeah and if if you know if they could have brought him back maybe they could have done something however he's just a terrible leader of men and both sides of the ball have been absolutely terrible for the Bears no I agree I really don't have much to add on Matt Nagy other than he was just his tenure in Chicago was very underwhelming I mean in a division that's not really like winnable obviously with you know Green Bay and Aaron the way he's been playing but they, ha- they haven't gotten a quarterback, and that's always kind of been the Bears. The Bears never really can draft quarterbacks. Um, Jay Cutler is pretty much the Bears' best, best all-time quarterback. If you're not, and you're, that's Jim, taking out Jim McMahon who won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's very sad. It's pretty sad. Yeah. I mean, listen, Matt Nagy will or will not get another chance. We'll see. Uh, but also Kyle Zimmer in Minnesota. This one makes sense. Uh, excuse me, Mike Zimmer. I'm getting confused with a baseball player. But uh, – yeah, he had to go too. Um, listen, the Vikings every year they have the roster to do it. Um, you have Kirk Cousins, who look, we all know Kirk Cousins is limited, but you're giving him Thielen, Dal- and I get it, Dalvin Cook was injured for parts of the year, but you're giving him offensive weapons that, especially in that division, you should probably ma- be making the playoffs. And especially when the Eagles made the playoffs this year, which I would say if the Vikings at mass potential, they're a better football team than the Eagles are. So Zimmer, once again, falters for the Vikings. I agree with them getting rid of him and moving on in another direction. Wouldn't be shocked either if they trade away Kirk Cousins, kind of do a little mini restart, get a younger quarterback up in Minnesota. Denver, like we just mentioned, fired Fangio. Uh, Jacksonville, we all knew that was coming. Drama out there. Uh, Then the Raiders. This one's a little – obviously, we know that the interim head coach, he didn't go through an interview process. He's not a head coach. But at the same time, he did a hell of a nice job after all the drama that went over in Vegas to still lead them to a playoff berth is incredibly impressive. And they're just not even giving him a shot. What if he goes in and and beats the Bengals in the playoffs? Will they reverse that decision? It's very interesting to see. Uh, And then today there was one more head coach fired and that was uh, the Houston Texans head coach uh, was fired today as well, which why, Uh, what exactly did they do to help that guy? He was put in a terrible position and listen, you could make the same argument about Joe judge, the issue with Joe Judge is that he's just inept, period. Uh, this guy is, I mean, listen, you, th- this team comes af- bl- after blow up, uh, excuse me, blow out losses, and he'll go up to the podium and say, well, uh, we laid the foundation here in this game. Uh, you know, our players are working hard. We're doing this. We're practicing. We're, uh, we're going to punch you in the nose. We're going to do that. And he just comes off as, as a clown, really, just quite frankly. And so when you win five games in two years, there's really not much that you can do to convince me that he's anything to help. And I get it. He came in with COVID. He came in with a quarterback that is a project. He came in and Saquon Barkley wasn't healthy. But at the same time, this free agent period, I said at the beginning of the season, if you have Saquon Barkley that was healthy, which other than one little injury thing, he was pretty much healthy. He didn't do anything this season. Kenny Galladay didn't have a touchdown. And, and I get it. Listen, he was injured for time. He's got to have a touchdown. You can't bring in a guy. I mean, Mark, you joked about it last week, comparing him to Mike Wallace. I mean, you can't bring in a guy for that contract. He doesn't catch a touchdown. So there's stuff like that. But but overall, the entire Giants organization just had to be revamped. And I was a little scared that it wouldn't be because John Mara, he let Gettleman go on a retirement presser, and he didn't fire Joe Judge on Black Monday. So I'm sitting here going, wait a second, is he, is he just going to dodge this, hire a new GM, say, oh, you know, Gettleman, he's just going to retire, and then he's going to keep the head coach? No, he came to his senses. Someone got into his ear and said, listen, there is no way that you can keep Joe Judge. And, and it wouldn't have fit the pattern either. Every other coach, the last few coaches the Giants have had, they've had their two years, and then they get fired. Pat Shermer, Ben McAdoo, same exact thing. And Ben McAdoo even made the playoffs. So it would have went against precedent to keep a guy that just did not have control of the locker room, 
He was not good with personnel. And listen, again, everything is not 100% Joe Judge's fault. It was obviously Dave Gettleman that assembled the team and all that. But Joe Judge just couldn't do this. But what's interesting is, and I was going to ask this question earlier, what is the alternative for some of these teams? Because with the Giants, anything is better than Joe Judge. But if you look at a team like the Dolphins, if you're going to fire a guy like Brian Flores, what exactly is better? Because when Stephen Ross said, I'm not going to be the guy that takes Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan, why are you firing? Who on the open market right now is better than Brian Flores? Are you going to try and poach Belenemy from the Kansas City Chiefs? Who's out there? There's no Robert Sala out there this year. Robert Sala was, I mean, Robert Sala I like. Mark gave me a face for the radio people. But, yeah, I, I like him just because he, he provides some structure at least. But, anyway, who else is better than Brian Flores for the Miami Dolphins and, and for some of the other teams as well? I'll pass that question off to you guys. And, and you can also comment on the Giants as well. Well, I think it was the absolute right decision for you guys to let go of uh, of Joe Judge. You know, he the, the Panthers are the only team that haven't fired their coach that has missed the playoffs the last two years. And just how the, at least the Panthers have shown some success earlier in the year with with Sam Darnold. However, the Giants have shown absolutely no success. There's been no building, quote unquote, building and getting better. There has been none of that. You guys have been the most, to be fair, most most injured roster in the league this year. You know the whole inside whole offensive side of the ball was pretty much injured all year long. Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard, Galladay was in and out of the lineup. Tony was in and out of the lineup. However. You know, we saw with Flores, he was able to build with absolutely nothing with guys that aren't in the league anymore. So there was no building there. And honestly, if I'm you guys, I'm I, I, Brian Flores is the first guy I'm calling up. I mean, my gut says that Brian Flores is going to go to Chicago. I don't know why. That's just my gut feeling. But if I'm the Giants, I'm 100% hitting on Brian Flores because, you know, you guys need a, a rehaul and to be able to bring that team up. And Flores has already done it once. So I don't, I don't see why he can't do it twice. For me, for the Dolphins, I would like to get Brian Dable. You know, if you are ultimately going to stick with Tua, which is something that I would not do, Dable has already worked with him with Alabama, and he would know his strong suits, and he would know whether he can be an NFL quarterback or not. So you have somebody that has the experience with him. If he chooses, hey, I can make it work with Tua, then okay, you know what? Hey, let's see what happens. We have $75 million to spend. We have our draft picks. Let's see what happens. But also, he has the ability to say, like, you know what? I've seen him work. I've seen him play. And he requires an absolutely perfect cast that there's no guarantees with that. Let me go on and move off him for Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, or somebody else. So I think for me, Brian Dable is, I think, it's our best case scenario. Uh, Mark, I'm, I'm really interested to see if you agree with that. Um, I agree that he should be on that short list of, you know, quarter of coaches that we go after. Because he does have a good resume, and you know the Bills are one of the best offenses in the league when they're clicking. Um, and you know, we got to beat the Bills twice a year, so who better to beat them than someone who knows what's going on in their defense? Um, but I do, I do have someone I'd rather see. I'd rather see Mike McDaniel. The he's been he's the offensive coordinator of the 49ers. He's been Kyle Shanahan's right hand man for a long time. Um, he's kind of seen how they've you know, built good offenses, you know, with the trenches and good offensive line. He's built those in the past with San Francisco. And, you know, his run game, he's really known for his run game. He's really really, uh, creative with it. I would love to see them go draft a running back or sign someone with with a good contract and maybe just um, run that fucking rock, (laughs) to be uh, frank with you. Yeah. You know, because if if they're forcing Tua onto the next head coach, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be mainly running the football. And the Bills don't do that much. The Bills like to open the field up, throw it down the field. I make a joke that every play they do is four verticals, much like what we've seen from the Chargers on, on Monday night, four verticals until fourth and ten, and they get the first one. But, um, I mean, if, if the if they, Brian Dable could bring some stability to that offense and and bring the, out the good, you know, traits into his game and play complimentary football, can you know, thinking that defense even stays remotely the same, which is, you know, is a big question mark. You know, you just fired the heart and the heart and soul of that defense. So we'll see how they react to that. We will well, see. Also, we will I also see. want to point out one thing about Flores is that it's pretty interesting that none of the offensive guys has come to his defense really. And we've actually seen a little bit of subtweeting or, or some, some kind of petty responses like, Tua posted something about, you know, he's like grateful for uh, our year two. And he saw Gasicki in the comments saying, hey, maybe next year we're going to throw the ball 40 times. 
which is just absolutely hilarious. And it's also kind of a good sign because that means Gasicki is at the very least leaning towards re, uh, resigning. I think he's going to be franchise tag, but it's kind of interesting that you saw the defensive guys all respond to him well. And really none of the offensive guys, especially to have just been like zero dark 30 radio silent about it. Yeah. Well, that goes credit to Mark source who kind of was saying the same thing that it was made based off the Tua thing. And listen, that, that shortens the trade suitors for some of these teams and uh, John Mara said yesterday in his press conference for the Giants that the general manager has the decision over whether Daniel Jones stays or not. Mara is not going to make sure. that decision. So I would say the Giants are pretty much in the market now for one of these big guys and potentially taking off a suitor like the Dolphins really opens the door up uh, for some of these guys to go other places. Also, before I end the head coaching uh, uh, subject, there's a rumor now that now that the Texans have fired their head coach, that Flores might go to Houston and they might actually keep Deshaun Watson. And that's how that relationship connects and stays. We will see. It's just rumor buzz between all these uh, blue check marks on Twitter. So we'll see. I know Mark, I think you guys would almost vomit because you could have had that situation in Miami and now it might play out in Houston, but we will see about that. So quick labor update for baseball. And I'm going to make this very quick because, uh, they're not doing anything to resolve the situation, so I'm not going to do anything to talk about it. So I'll just read Jeff Passan's report uh, from ESPN. He said, baseball labor update. Uh, there is no deal. There was never going to be one today. MLB made a proposal. The reaction among the players was not positive. Few on either side expected it to be. The question is how soon the MLBPA counters. Spring training starting on, ta- on time is in peril. Uh, then he said, plenty more coming in a story at ESPN. But the broad strokes of MLB's proposal per sources were that they wanted to funnel additional money to all players with two plus years service. So that kind of goes into what the players want, that they don't get paid at an early enough time. They have to wait till they're already older before they get their big contracts. That kind of helps. But at the same time, it's kind of just like a little like, hey, here you go type move instead of a real authentic step forward from Major League Baseball. Uh, They also said they want to award draft picks. This was really interesting. They want to award draft picks to teams that don't manipulate service time of successful top prospects. So this is basically the owners admitting that they know that their camaraderies are, are, are manipulating service time. And now they want to choose whether you're doing it correctly or not. So now it's another understanding as to why the players probably just laugh this off. And then also, tweaks to proposed uh, draft lottery. That's the only detail around that. Not really going to dive much into it. It's to me, it's just an offer that they put on paper just to put an offer on paper and say, we're the ones that started this negotiation. They can, you know, kind of make the whole framework about that, that, Hey, we weren't the ones that didn't go to the players. We put an offer out there for it's all optics. And that's really what I think this first offer is. Um, So uh, do you guys have anything to say about baseball or we're just ignoring it for now? It's just typical baseball, you know, there's there's just so much that goes on that is just absolutely BS. It's something I said on the show last week that, you know, football seems really have their act together. Uh, Basketball really seems to have their act together. Hockey is doing absolutely outstanding right now. And it's just with baseball, it's either one thing or another that's in the the, the media headlines rather than their star players. So I'm just kind of of tired of how baseball handles things. No, it's totally true. Yeah, I don't have much to say about baseball. I mean – they're just terrible. The worst run sport in, you know, out of our sports, you know, we have the NHL, we have basketball, we have uh, NFL. I mean, it's just, it's the most poorly run. It's just not good. They're not doing a good job. You know, they're not thinking of the players first. They're not putting anything, you know, really into perspective other than that, you know, two year window, you just said they get, they get a little pension or whatever it want to call it a little NIL deal. It sounds like, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, baseball is just shot right now. It's really shot. Yep, it is. All right, so now let's move on to the NFL playoffs. We're not going to talk much about week 18. Everyone knows what happened at this point. So we're going to move on and preview the first week of the NFL playoffs. And it's a pretty damn good slate. The only thing I'm upset about is that the Chargers are not in. I really wanted that tie. Now, I can't even brag about having picked the Raiders to win that game because it really should have been a tie if it weren't for Staley calling just the most questionable timeout maybe ever uh, where the team literally would have gotten a tie. 
the Chargers and Raiders would have made the playoffs. We've all heard the story at this point, but the playoffs are what they are. Uh, and so we're going to go over the Saturday games first. So we've got the Las Vegas Raiders in Cincinnati uh, for a 430 game on NBC. The line is minus five Cincinnati. First of all, do we think that would you take that line? And second of all, who wins the game? I'd probably take that line. We've seen how hot Cincinnati's gotten over over the, the, the extent of the season. They beat they beat the, uh, the Chiefs just a few weeks ago, and it's a great story from the Raiders. You know, they barely snuck in. They broke the hearts of the of the Chargers. You know, I was personally really rooting for a tie myself because I absolutely can't stand the Steelers. Yep. But uh, you know what what the Raiders have done up to this point is absolutely impressive. But eventually, their season does have to come to an end because you know they don't have the defense. They don't really have the, the offensive weapons, especially if you compare it to Cincinnati's weapons, who you could argue Cincinnati has the best offense in the entire league. And Mixon's uh, back. And Yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah, Joe, Joe Mixon's back and should be mostly healthy healthy enough to, to play. So I, I, I cannot see the Raiders pulling off an upset. But, you know, they put, a, put together a performance last week, so it wouldn't necessarily be completely surprising. One thing to keep in mind, though, yeah. is that Cincinnati hasn't won a playoff game in quite some time, so this is a big hump for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like Cincinnati. I don't know if they cover five. I think it's a, it's a lot for a team, like you just said, hasn't won a playoff game. And for a, a quarterback that's where he's never played in the playoffs, so it's, it's going to be a little more – I think it's going to be more of a defensive game than we think. But I think ultimately in the end, Cincinnati is going to you know be able to overcome their their – shortcomings in the game maybe with their offensive firepower and the lack of defensive you know players that the Raiders really have on their squad yeah I agree I think the I think the Bengals take this one close probably a field goal game maybe a touchdown game uh, I don't see this being a blowout in any regard uh, but I think Derek Carr deserves credit we've said this a few weeks in a row and uh, he's going to throw his picks though there's going to be probably one or two moments where he's going to throw a pick uh, he's worse on the road than he is at home uh, and Mark just imitating it right there. Uh, but yeah, he's in the air. Yeah, I know. He it's something. Yeah, I mean that's what you get with some of those quarterbacks. But you know him too, though. He he doesn't have very much playoff success either. So you know we keep saying Cincinnati hasn't won in a long time. Neither of the Raiders. So uh, that's a big factor into this as well. Uh, then though, we've got the Patriots and the Bills for that s- Saturday night game on CBS. Uh, probably not the Romo game. He'll probably be at the Cowboy game, but. Still on CBS for that game. The line is minus four Buffalo. These two teams split against each other. Both teams beat each other on the road. Uh, and this game, we've heard a lot of jokes. I don't know if you guys saw it today, uh, but Bart Scott, I think his name is, on ESPN said that, uh, I, just bear with me here. He said that in order for Josh Allen to stay warm during the game, he should probably take some Viagra. Uh, and he said that live on air on ESPN, which is just great. Uh, but little does he know, maybe you kind of get tested for steroids if you do that. So maybe he shouldn't have said that. But good joke nonetheless. I do think, though, Buffalo's going to win the game. Uh, and the reason is Mac Jones has just reverted into – I don't even know what to call him. I mean, he was – listen, he was successful in that first run where we're like, wow, the Patriots are better than we thought. Ever since then, though, people have seemingly have figured him out. Uh, he's not getting the completion percentages that he was. His QBR has gone down way lower. Uh, his passing yards have gone down and I just don't think that's the formula to beat Josh Allen twice. They already beat them once when they were at kind of more of a high as a team this year. Uh, now, what I will say is Bill Belichick, this is one of the most impressive uh, coaching jobs that he's ever done getting 10 wins out of that team with a quarterback that he really rode the most out of this season. Uh, I'll be interested, honestly, with the way that he's performed in the back half of the season, are they actually going to stick with him? Is Belichick confident that every year he can get 10 wins out of this guy and that's enough to kind of push them over the edge? Who knows? But it was good enough this year. I just don't think it's good enough in the playoffs. What about you guys? Yeah, I agree with you. You know, Mac Jones is what we thought he was coming into the draft. Earlier this year, he looked really good. And but that's mostly you can part to, you know, he had a great offensive line. He has Bill Belichick as a coach. They've been they've had that same offensive system now for 20 years. And you know, I'm not in any ways comparing him to Tom Brady, but you know, he is a statue of a quarterback who's not going to move around a lot. So he's gonna not have to make too many outstanding throws like we see Josh Allen making. So we knew that's what he was gonna be. And in the second half of the season, we've seen him for what he is. He can't move. We saw him try to roll out 
against this against the Dolphins, and he, he threw it in the dirt, similar to what Tua does. You know, they're very comparable quarterbacks that they need everything right in order for it to to work for them. And then we saw Josh Allen the last time they went up to New England earlier this year. Josh Allen was making throws, running left, running right, running backwards, throwing in every direction over the field in clutch moments of the game. So you know, the the, the massive mismatch of quarterback. I, I think it's gonna be too much to overcome for for the Patriots. Yeah, I think the Bills come in and they win. They win going away. I think they cover the four. I, I, I might would take an alternate line at like seven and a half because I think they really are just gonna go out there and lay it all on the line against the Patriots. Um, yeah, it's really like they they just have better players. There's really not much more to say about it. Uh, Josh Allen's is light years ahead of Mac Jones. Mac Jones is much again, like you said. Uh, this might be Bell, Bill Belichick's best coaching job, winning with 10 games with this team. Brian Flores won 10 games with two with two of Ryan Fitzpatrick and a worse squad. I and mean, Mac Collins was a, was number one receiver at one point in Arizona. So, I mean, like, just to go back to the Dolphins for a second, how pissed I am about that. <laughs> but I, I think Buffalo comes out there. I think they show them that they are the, now the – they are big papa in the AFC East and the AFC. I think they, they show their dominance. Yeah, I do. I agree. So the next game is on Sunday. Uh, Eagles, Bucks, eight and a half line for Buck. They're going to win the game. I, I just, I don't think the Bucks are going to go that far. I, they're going to win this game. I, I just don't see Jalen Hurts uh, doing this. They, they squeaked into the playoffs. It was either them or the Saints uh, as that team that really shouldn't be a playoff team, but they did make it because of the way the NFC works. Uh, I just don't see it. I really, I don't see literally any path. No upset alert. I just do not see the Bucks losing at home to Jalen Hurts and that Eagles team. I just don't see it, uh, and I, I don't think you guys are going to differ. So I think the closest game of the weekend will be 49ers-Cowboys, and the betting lines say the same thing. Minus three right now favoring the Cowboys. Um, what's weird is I think it's going to be a close game, but that line worries me because it's so close that I almost think there's no wiggle room. I, listen, Jimmy G – made some big-time throws against the L.A. Rams. He did a phenomenal job. I just think the thing is with San Francisco is they get into situations where it takes them a little bit of time to get rolling offensively, almost to their detriment. I mean, they were down whatever the 17-0 or whatever the score was at halftime against the Rams, and then it took that second half and that push to win that game. And I would have picked San Francisco if they were just more consistent over the season. I just think... It takes them a little bit more time to get rolling. And with the Cowboys at home and with their offensive prowess, I think if they get off to an early score, if they score a touchdown on the first drive and then they kick a field goal after, and let's say it's 10, nothing or 14 to three, I see that kind of happening with the Cowboys because they kind of start immediately with that offense. I think if they get out to an early lead, they're going to win the game. And I think actually, and listen, it pains me to say it, especially but I think the Cowboys are going to beat the Niners on Sunday. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Uh, but the story of the game is Jimmy Garoppolo. How he plays is how this team goes. We all know that they can run the ball consistently week in, week out. really doesn't matter who they have in there. But they have had an incredible running back. The rookie, Eli Mitchell, has been playing really good, especially since coming back from injury. So we know they're going to get their, their carries on the ground. They're going to get their yards on the ground. But is Garoppolo going to be able to not turn the ball over? He didn't do that last week, and they ended up beating the Rams on the road, which it, it was technically a, a road game. However, we saw a sea of red in Los Angeles last <laughs> every, week. Every game is split in L.A. Yeah, the cheers, <laughs> the cheers you heard for the, for the 49ers was unreal. Uh, but, you know, Garoppolo didn't turn the ball over. He played consistently, and if he can do that, we saw them make a Super Bowl off of that. So it, he is the story of the game. Um, I do believe the turnovers are going to get a little bit of the best of them. And I think, uh, you know, Dak Prescott's going to do enough. That defense is going to do enough to make the Cowboys survive another week in the playoffs and move on and beat the 49ers. All right. So I'm the outlier here. I think Ooh. the Niners are going to take the Cowboys to school. When is it? Ooh. Sunday, right? Wow. On Sunday? Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, 430. Yeah, they're taking them to school on Sunday. I think Kyle Shanahan is a way better coach than Mike McCarthy is. I think they Absolutely. have that way. Uh, I think their defense is – is just tenacious and they're ready to get after Dak. Dak has, has shown that he's not who everyone thought he was this season. He's been very on, hot, cold. Um, Zeke has hit, had his first game above 50 yards since like week five last week. It was a game that didn't matter against the Eagles. Um, I think that the Niners are going to go out there and set the tempo. You, you say the Cowboys start hot. 
I don't know. I think that 49ers defense can really give them a run for their money, even though yeah. they have all those weapons in the arsenal. It really depends. Like you said, it depends on um, Garoppolo. It depends heavily on Dak for the Cowboys, because if they can't get anything going with that throwing the football, it's going to be a hard day for them, because if the Niners can get a lead and control that clock, it's going to be a, tr- it's going to be a problem. We saw them go to a Super Bowl once doing it, so I don't see any reason they can't out-coach McCarthy and the Cowboys and be out and out-play them. The big mismatch in this game is going to be though the wide receivers of the Cowboys going against that really weak secondary of the 49ers who have struggled all year. We saw A.J. Brown come back, you know, fresh from an injury and absolutely torch them. And you have C.D. Lamb, you have Mari Cooper, you have Cedric Wilson who had an incredible uh, end of the season. So I don't know how the 49ers are going to stop the really hot offense at times of the Cowboys, especially that wide receiver group. We know they struggled to run the ball. However, if you can give Dak some time, he's going to absolutely torch that secondary. The way to stop him is control that clock. And I think Mike Shanahan's the uh, – Mike Shanahan. Is it, uh, Kyle. 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 Kyle Shanahan, thank you. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, ironically, is one of the best coaches at doing that after blowing two Super Bowl leads. But, <laughs> doing that. I mean, ironically, I think he's a very good, you know, uh, coach to really crunch that clock down and, and take – and take possessions away from that offense. So I think I think they're kind of their crimp tonight. Yeah, and listen, at 10 and 7 for that Niners team when Jimmy G was on and off the field this year is very impressive. They dealt with other injuries as well. Uh, and so it is it was a tremendous coaching job by Shanahan. So you look at this and you see 10 and 7, 12 and 5. The home team is the 12 and 5. I mean, you go, maybe there's that separation there, but there's really not. I think if Jimmy G was healthy the entire season, they probably would have had at least 11 wins, probably 12 as well. So there's not much separation as people want you to believe between these two teams. So, uh, and then that Sunday night game, I don't even know if I'm going to watch. I mean, this is going to be a bludgeoning uh, in Kansas <laughs> city. I don't think, I mean, listen, big Ben's Mr. Chicken arm right now. He cannot throw the ball. Uh, we've heard Juju. He got activated uh, to practice today, but he wasn't activated off the IR. They also activated James Washington. So they're going to have some weapons back. I just don't think Big Ben can get it to them. I just flat out do not think that that's going to happen. They scored 16 points versus the versus the Ravens. Uh, it's I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I'm going to call for an upset. No. Chief, wait, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> the Chiefs only win by 30 points. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're going to absolutely kill him. They're going to wipe the floor with him. You saw Ben Roethlisberger. He knows it. This is his last game as a pro. He's like, I'm just going to have fun. We're the worst (laughs) team in the playoffs. I mean, mean, as somebody who likes the Ravens, I was watching that game. That game was terrible. Both teams Mm -hmm. played so bad. You know, thankfully the Steelers, the one thing they do have is a decent defense. But, wow, that was such a bad game. And Ben knows they don't deserve to be there. So, yeah. uh, Slight upset, the Chiefs only win by 28 points. <laughs> well, it's it's annoying because, like, we all – I this is the only time where I wish the NFL had college football rankings because everyone knows that the Chargers are better than the Steelers and that they should be in there right now. But because of that tie against the freaking Lions of all freaking – of all teams, the they should not be in there. The Dolphins, the Dolphins are better than the Steelers. Yeah, yeah Dolphins are Dolphins the Steelers. Dolphins are better than the Steelers. It's just – it's disgusting. Yeah, but I think it's I think I think they go out there and absolutely obliterate them. So I'm with you guys. So how about Bama, how about uh, Georgia beating Bama in the national championship game? I love seeing that. Oh man, you know it was kind of you know it was a little bit of kind of tainted because they were missing John Mechie, uh, James. Oh, you're one of the Bama excuses. No, 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 no. I am not. I am not. I'm saying it it is a little bit tainted, just a little bit. However, Georgia deserved it. Their defense dominated all game. That first half was so wildly entertaining for a nine to six football game. And then, you know, seeing Stetson Stetson Bennett on the sidelines, just, you know, what, when that pick six happened, what that meant to him, you know, transferring from a junior college was the fourth stringer really at the start of the season. The entire fan base didn't even want him to start. And he goes out and wins a national championship for him and beating Alabama, winning their first natty in 40 years. The first time Kirby Smart's even beaten Nick Saban and comes in a national championship game. It was just a really beautiful sight to see. No, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah, Marco. Yep. I, I just felt I was watching my friend Jacob Brown play quarterback for Georgia out there. And he won a national championship. I mean, I don't like that. Guy guy looks similar. He looks, they do. They look wow. kind of very similar. Hey, you're national champ. I'm proud of you, Jacob. Go. <laughs> go, dogs. But, um, 
Yeah, Georgia just absolutely slapped Alabama in the mouth you know, in that second half. You know, they were killing them in those trenches. Um, Georgia was the better team that day. I think I still think Alabama is the better team, better quarterback, better athletes. But Georgia has that you know, the defense that really just was was Alabama's big problem this year. I just love how Stetson Bennett was unashamedly tossed on every interview the day after. Just, as he should be. Uh, as yeah, he should man. be, yeah. Biggest day of his life, you know, winning the national championship against Alabama. What that means to that fan base. I mean, I've, I think the coolest picture in the world is seeing Rodrigo Blankenship and Quavo posted up taking a picture together. Just the two op- most opposite guys you can find in the world. And they're just there like, what's up, guys? We're enjoying this. No, it was great. And it was the best thing for college football to happen, to me at least. If you were going to have Bama make it again, I, you just got to have them beat. Because if, if Bama at reduced capacity beat Georgia, what would be the confidence that anyone could ever beat Bama? And it just – I don't think the college football would be healthy if every single year you're going in and saying Bama's going to win no matter what. At least there's a different champion. I get it. Bama's a repetitive team over and over and over. So, I listen – Nick Saban's got time to get to eight, nine, 10, whatever he's going to end up with at the end of his career. I didn't need to see another one. And also I was just tired of the Georgia narrative. I wanted that all to end. This has been four or five, six years in a row of every year talking about how Georgia's trying to get over the hump. Kirby smart has to beat Nick Saban for the first time. I'm glad that that storyline's over. And now when these two teams face, it's more about who's the better football team because now you have the defending national champion going up against Bama as opposed to Bama owns you for your entire history. So it's a little bit of a narrative shift, which I appreciate, but, it, but this could also be the last year of this format uh, because from what I understand, this is college football's final opportunity for, I believe four or five years to change the playoff format. So it's either now or a few years from now, uh, or else we're pretty much getting this every single season for the foreseeable future. Uh, but that's what college football is. And now we're seeing, and this is something that I don't even understand myself, uh, Michigan State this morning uh, agreed to a deal with Caesars Sportsbook. I don't know really the, the, the details about it, uh, but for a lot of people are saying it's kind of ruining college athletics. Now, I'm going to be honest, I don't even know what it means. I don't know what it means that a college is working with a sportsbook. I just find it odd uh, that this is now uh, just a thing, right? I mean, you've got, I, the, the first thought I had was, how do you have a team or, or an organization that represents a team doing a business relationship with something that's betting on your own organization? Like it just didn't click to me how that works. Uh, just odd. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Some These of colleges the- will take money from anywhere. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's it. That's all I got. These money, uh, these colleges will take money from anywhere. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So some of the romanticizing about college football that has kind of made the sport what it is, 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 it is going the way, you know, the fighting for your school, you know, these guys aren't paid. So they're just quote unquote fighting for the love of the game, which we all know is BS. They're all trying to make it to the NFL and, you know, they do love the game. Absolutely. However, you know, the money aspect of things is kind of ruining the, the lovey doveyness, the, like I said, romanticizing of the sport. But, you know, if it, re- if it results in these kids getting some money in their pockets, they, they end up being able to, you know, send some money to their families. Because we all, I mean, especially down here in South Florida, we know so many of these prospects come from not the best areas of South Florida. And, you know, this is their avenue out. And a lot of them do make it. So in the meantime, if they can, you know, make just a little bit of money, help their family out, I'm not going to sit here and uh, cry and complain about it. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing, too, is that with this normalization of sports betting, it's uh, in my time at... Uh... At Sirius XM, I was talking with those producers and they said, and you guys especially will know this because you watch Bali sports all the time with the Heat and the Panthers. Uh, you guys probably noticed the first time you ever watched a Bali sports game that their scoreboard at the bottom is the biggest scoreboard probably of all the networks. And from what they were telling me is they're literally, this is what they told me at Sirius XM, they're basically conditioning the audience for bigger scoreboards to when sports betting is legal these scoreboards mm-hmm. will have an attached graphic that says plus 100 if Devin Booker does this, plus 100 if this guy gets a base hit. So they're conditioning us with these humongous scoreboards on the bottom of the screen just because one day sports betting is going to be legal and they're going to add that to the screen. And to me, it almost takes away, like, not for us because we all grew up with sports being about sports, but my dad was talking to me about this. He said, this new generation of kids – they're going to grow up with sports being about betting 
And that's and and to me, it's and a little politics. worrisome that it almost takes away from it. And politics. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, it kind of sucks. I mean, I mean, I don't mind sports betting. You know, watching sports and you know gambling on it a bunch of times like it's fun it's a fun time you know just do it responsibly who cares what you're, what you're doing with your money as long as you know you're being responsible about it so i don't think it's that it's terrible to what you know growing up to watching sports to knowing oh you know i could win two times money if this team wins because i think of an underdog i think it kind of you know it's good that you know we explain these things because it kind of helps you think about you know the sport the way it is too because yep. i mean if you're if you're explaining to someone that doesn't watch a football game Oh, the Chiefs are playing the Steelers. Oh, that could be, uh, and they just know the name of the Steelers because they're a, a franchise that's always been good. Oh, the Steelers are win that game, and then look at the odds, and you're like, damn, that actually means you know they're gonna they're heavily underdog. These Chiefs must be good. You know, it kind of helps that too. It educates about the game, you know, about the season, what's going on with all these teams. So I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. No, it's absolutely. It's a great point, actually. And I definitely understand what you're saying, Jacob, by like these, these next generation, like how are they going to look at it? Cause for me, like I, I avoid sports betting. I can, I very much enjoy just sitting for three hours or so and just watching a game. And yeah, these, these, this next generation is going to be kind of influenced by that, but they, I mean, they already are. Just look at TikTok, yeah. Instagram, YouTube, the, 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 the mindset is already so much more short, short-term gratification than sitting and watching an entire you know, an entire program, entire event, which I mean, I've already felt myself because I hardly watch my, uh, see myself watching an entire basketball game or sometimes even hockey game, but I'll sit there for football. But for the other ones, I'm like, ah, do I really want to do this? Or could I just watch a few YouTube videos? So maybe that is something that keeps them more interacted, especially like, you know, the, the, the individual, like, oh, like you said, like, oh, if Devin Booker makes a shot, you know, like, plus 100 or if Devin Booker has makes two baskets in the next three minutes, you know, you win this much money, you know, it, it'll keep people more interested. However, I'm not, I, I'm kind of undecided whether it's good or not for the sport. It'll definitely bring sports. viewership up. That's a good, that's a good point. It'll definitely bring, cause you know, I don't really watch NBA games unless it's the Miami heat or I have money on it. So, I mean, <laughs> it'll definitely bring viewership up. So I think that's a good point. You mean, yeah, the money, the money is going to be there, obviously. And obviously that's the main goal of this. It's going to get more eyes. It's going to get more money. And, you know, that's what, that's what's most important to these sports is their viewership up. And if their viewership's up, it leads their money up. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see how these playoff games play out this week. Well, there's one we, we, there's one we missed. We didn't go over the, the Cardinals Rams game. Gee, you know what? That's Ooh. because it's not on my full screen on my phone. That's my mistake. This yeah, game. The okay. So this was the point I was going to make earlier, and it, you reminded me of my own point. So uh, this is the first time maybe ever uh, where I've picked every single home team to win a game, and I don't really have much qualms about it. I think the Rams are going to win the game. Uh, Arizona, if they had DeAndre Hopkins, it'd be a bit of a different story. Uh, but ever since he went down, and ever since Kyler Murray went down, more so when Kyler Murray went down, the team has kind of taken a nosedive. They haven't really been getting it together like they were in that first batch of the season when people were calling them the best team in the NFL. Now, J.J. Watt, uh, I believe he's almost definitely playing the playoff game. I, Jacob's nodding his head yes, so he will be back in there, and that's huge. Um, but I just think Kyler, is he's faulted the last few weeks without his big weapon, uh, and I'm just not confident that they can go on the road and beat the Rams. Uh, now, again, half-road game, I guess you could say, but uh, – because uh, Arizona is pretty close to LA. I'm sure those people will, uh, will migrate out there. But um, now an interesting stat, obviously Stafford throws picks. He was tied for the most in the league. Uh, that's one of the reasons why the Rams lost on Sunday. Uh, so that's a big factor as well. But I think Stafford wins. There's no way that that Rams team with that defensive personnel, with the offensive weapons that they have, if they go down to the Cardinals at home, what do you do? You have the head coach, you have the quarterback, you have the receivers, you have the defense. You have the people that spend the money in the front office. You have the stadium. What else do you need, Rams? If you lose in the first round, that's a huge issue. So I, I think there's actually more pressure on the Rams to win this game as well. I absolutely agree. And a lot of things you said is I am actually going to call the legitimate upset this time, not a, not a less of a blowout upset. I, I think the Rams are good. I mean, I think the, uh, the Cardinals are going to win it. We wow. saw them go into Dallas uh, a few weeks ago when they were at, you know, their lowest point, they had lost three games in a row and they had just lost uh, the last previous week on national television against the Colts. And 
I think they're going to go with there and take care of business. They've gotten a little healthier. DeAndre Hopkins most likely is out for the season. Just seeing the state of him the, the last couple of weeks on crutches, I doubt he's going to come back. However, there is just so much pressure on the Rams to get it right, especially on Sean McVay. You know, Sean McVay has been leveraging the Rams' future for a very long time now. They're not going to have a first-round pick till 2025. And, you know, everything should point to the Rams should win this game. I, I just have that gut feeling that I think it's going to crumble on top of them. They have the stars. They have the talent. They have the best roster in the NFL. If you look at it top to down, top, top down, they have a top five coach in Sean McVay, and they've been there before, but they made the Super Bowl with, with a less talented roster. And in the last few years, they, they have faulted when it comes to, to the end, when it comes to the playoffs. And I just think, I just have that feeling that I think Kyler Murray is going to go there and take care of it. You know, if they can control the clock, you know, they, we know they can run the ball. James Conner has had a great season. And, and if you get Kyler Murray loose on the edge, you know, they can really control that clock. And Matt Stafford has shown he can, he's going to turn the ball over one or two times pretty much every single game this year. So if they can get an interception or two, if they can control the clock and we can see a little bit of that Murray magic, I think the, the Cardinals are going out there and win it. Uh, I think I think the Rams win this game. Um, I think those, you made you made a, quite the argument for the Cardinals to win it. Um, I just think it comes again. Like I'll go to the coaching when I talk about Shanahan against McCarthy. I think the coaching for the Rams is much better with Sean McVay against going again up against uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I think I just I just think I have a feeling that the Rams are going to go out there and just smack them around. I think the the Cardinals' offense play is is very you know, reliant on Kyler Murray to, to, to a fault, you know, that they, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. They will be the re- relying on Christian Kirk and is AJ green even healthy right now? Yeah, he's healthy. All right, AJ green, uh, Zach Ertz. Those are, you know, some old guys and some young guys. I don't really know what to expect from them. Kyler Murray's undersized. He's going to be going against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Which do I, I, although I do think the Rams defense has a lot of holes in it, because they do spend a lot of money and, you know, draft capital on getting these stars like Jalen Ramsey on the team. And they do have, you know, uh, Aaron Donald, who's going to be trying to get to the quarterback every single play. I think, you know, there's a high probability that my son might be the, like, if I have a son, he'll probably be the, the next first round pick for the Rams. <laughs> they trade away absolutely every pick they've ever had seen. Sean McVay, what's a pick to them? That's what I, I wish more teams did that. Cause more put their nuts on the line try to get the players now and win. I think this might be the last two years of that window for the Rams. Yeah, like if they don't win this year, all, all hell breaks loose. Because like I said, what else do you need? You have everything that you theoretically should have to win football games. And if you can't even win a playoff game at home, that's a big issue, yeah. especially because it's Kyler Murray's first playoff game as well. Uh, yeah. and, and Stafford, while he hasn't won a playoff game, he's at least been there. So there, there's at least something there. And uh, there was an interesting stat that I heard a few weeks ago, too, that Matt Stafford uh, was the fastest quarterback ever to a certain yards mark, which when you think about all the quarterbacks that have played, Matt Stafford being that guy is pretty remarkable, especially being stuck in Detroit uh, for his entire career. So uh, and before we leave, I'll give one update on the Deshaun Watson thing, because I said something earlier. Uh, This is from Albert Breer on Twitter. He said, for those wondering on QB Deshaun Watson and the Texans, quote, uh, I wouldn't expect this to change his desire for a trade. He never yeah, had an issue with David Cully. As far as I know, Cully actually managed the situation well. Watson's issue always has been with ownership. So maybe we won't be getting that reunion as we floated out in the first part of the show, but could be a possibility. So we'll see. Uh, but uh, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, the results of these playoff games and talking about the next ones as well. I know last week I said we get to NHL, but there's just so much that went on in the last week that going into next week. So we will get to NHL 100% next week because the season's really amazing right now. Uh, a lot of things going well for the NHL. Uh, and uh, honestly, I mean, they're, they're about to take over baseball, I think, easily with the promotion that they have, uh, with what they've been doing this year with ESPN and TNT, uh, with some of the stars that have been promoted. They're, they're starting to do a really effective job over at the NHL and uh, baseball's got to get their shit together. Let's just say that. So uh, it's a good way to end it. Uh, we will be back next week. You can follow me on Twitter at strictly sports P on Facebook and Instagram at strictly sports productions. Um, you can find us on Apple podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and literally any other platform you can think of as well. 
Just look up Strictly Sports on the website and you will find us right there. We're also on YouTube, um, but I'm not going to be putting this one on YouTube this week. Uh, I'm actually waiting. We're going to do this nice graphic thing uh, to where we actually make it look nice for YouTube as opposed to just uh, a screenshot of the Zoom screen. So we're going to make it look nice uh, before we actually go to YouTube. Uh, and then now that we have time left on the recording this week, uh, Mark, Jacob, you guys pimp your stuff out too. Uh, well, I have my my own podcast on Spotify, JK Productions. Search that up. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel, JK Sports. I haven't used too much, but uh, Instagram also, JK Productions. And uh, hopefully you'll be listening to me on FAULradio.com sometime soon. And I'll be also having my show over there. Uh, really excited to do that as well as hopefully be on the telecast for a few basketball and baseball games. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter uh, at Mark Papaleo Jr. 55, or you could find my Dolphins fan account, uh, Finns huh. Mafia, P H I N S Mafia. Let's go. Is it just you, depression? If mafia you want unfiltered point? Mark, go yeah. follow that account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not very filtered on there. Oh, God. All right, guys. So uh, it was a good pod, man. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yes, All sir. Right.